Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 1, Episode 10, titled Turning the Tides. The beginning of the end of the Equalist storyline. So, this is the first of a three-part arc, a three-episode arc, that will basically conclude this first season. And it is really, really good. Oh my god, this is a phenomenal start to that trilogy of episodes to close out this storyline. It's so freaking fantastic in... Damn near every possible way. Like, it it almost reminds me of the drill from Last Airbender. In that the whole thing is almost entirely just this big, long action sequence. Like, this episode starts, and then it just keeps going and 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 never stopping for a second. It's this constantly tense, uh, constantly bombastic, constantly flowing plotline that is done with such extreme intensity and presents such overwhelming stakes and, and right from the beginning kind of confronts you with this idea of Yeah, this is not a fight that will be easily won. Uh, The Equalists have kind of gone all out. Uh, It's really, really fantastic. I mean, I might as well get the weak element of this episode right out at the beginning. And people who listen to this show regularly know exactly what I'm going to say at this point. The Jealous Girlfriend subplot. So... Thankfully, over the last couple episodes when this has come up, it's been fairly minimal. Uh, I think we've gotten, like, one major moment that isn't just a shot of Asami looking concerned in this subplot over the past couple episodes. And that's pretty much it. This puts it at the forefront more so. And it's not great. And... Like, again, freaking Asami. We know, we know at this point, like, she's a better character than this subplot. But for whatever reason, like, they felt like season one 
had to be Asami's a love interest. Asami's a love interest. Asami's a love interest. Asami's just a third point on a love triangle of Asami, Mako, and Korra. Like, for whatever reason, this season just couldn't get that notion of her out of its head. And so this subplot is the result of that, and it's really not good. And so ill-timed. Like, look. If this was in a random filler episode, I'd get it. Like, whatever, just random subplot. But this is like the culmination of the season, where frickin' the Equalists are attacking, and Republic City's falling all around our characters. And what is Asami's primary concern? Mako, do you like Korra? I know about the kiss. Why don't you go sit in the back? With Korra. Like, making all these snide remarks and just being a general bitch towards Mako. Like, are you paying attention to what's happening around you? Like, the city is being attacked. The city is falling before your very eyes. And your big concern is your boyfriend liking another girl. This is not the time. This is not the time to focus on that. Save that for literally any other point. Like, this is such an ill-timed subplot, in addition to just being bad. But whatever. The rest of this episode's amazing. (laughs) The rest of this episode is brilliant. Uh, I love the opening sequence, where uh, Korra has come back to the Air Temple, thank God. And Tenzin comes in after... uh, Long night of searching, and Pema and all the kids are in his bed, and he just sits down, and everyone wakes up, and they're like, what happened? Is is Korra safe? Is Korra, is Korra back? And Ten's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Everything's okay. And it's like, they have this one interaction between Tenzin and Iki, where Iki talks about how scared she was that Korra was never coming back. Like, it's this really amazing moment with Tenzin and his family. This really brilliant, tender moment that every time I watch it, like, just pulls on my heartstrings in such an intense way. And then the sequence goes on. Uh... Tenzin and Korra and all of them talk about how Amon's becoming emboldened and maybe enduring his endgame. Smash cut to Republic City being destroyed. No, it, it, it doesn't do that. But it would have been funny if it did. Um, I think Amon is entering his endgame. Boom! That would have been amazing. But no, they keep going. Uh, Tenzin's called an emergency council meeting. Uh, he leaves Lynn in charge of taking care of Pema and the kids, guarding Pema and the kids. And then, the attack begins with all the council members being captured. They almost capture Tenzin as well. But there's this really, really badass fight where Tenzin just completely crushes these equalists. And... Tenzin is now in charge of Republic City. Right as the fireworks begin. The proverbial fireworks. 
And so this attack starts. Uh, Korra, Bolin, Mako, and Asami all start to go into the city to F with some equalists. I especially love that. <laughs> what an attention to detail. Where they're like, hey, Korra, where'd you park the car after we got arrested? And it's just like in a streetlight. <laughs> And they go back to this j joke of Cora doesn't know how to drive. I made it very clear to all of you, I don't know how to drive. You all got arrested and left me with the car. I had to do something. <laughs> there was nothing I could do. This is the best I could have possibly done. Oh, it's so funny. It's so... It's such a hilarious bit in the middle of this soul-crushing episode. Uh, but Tenzin goes to the police station, coordinates with Saikon on some stuff, uh, and basically, the TLDR of this scene is, we're screwed. <laughs> that is the shortest possible description I can give of this scene. Republic City is screwed. And, of course, Tenzin... Puts out the wire to the general of the Re United Forces. The general of the United Forces. And we'll talk about that later. And then this is almost immediately followed up by a gas attack. Which Tenzin guides everyone out of. Fairly easily. Doing that little air bubble deal. And where does he guide them? But right into the arms of some mechs. Who immediately F up all of the police people. And capture every single one of them. And what follows is this really amazing fight. Where Tenzin first off starts taking out all these mechs by himself. And it's awesome. Then he starts to get knocked out and carried away. And that's when frickin' Team Avatar comes in and has the most badass entrance imaginable of driving the car up an earth-bended ramp, jumping out, and having the car launch into a mech. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so great. It's... It's the most badass entrance imaginable. And then you get this amazing, amazing fight. That is so cool. Uh, where they're all taking out mechs in various ways. Asami just Fs up these chi blockers and freeze Tenzin. Who then just goes under the last remaining mech and just shoots it up into the air. <laughs> oh my god, the sequence is so good. The sequence is so amazing. And then... They're able to, they're able to relax for like two seconds before they realize there's an airship hovering over Air Temple Island. So now they're rushing towards Air Temple Island and the entire Air Temple sequence is extraordinary. Honestly, the Air Temple sequence in pretty much every possible way is quite possibly my favorite sequence of this entire first season. So you have Lin fighting all of these chi blockers. 
on her own. And it's incredibly badass. And then just as it's looking like Lynn is going to get eviscerated, the freaking airbender kids come in one by one and just F everybody up. I especially love Janora's entrance of <laughs> of stay away from my dad's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Janora comes in, Fs him up with the glider. Ike comes in, Fs him up with an air scooter. Milo comes in and just goes nuts. It's farting on cheap blockers and just wildly flailing his arms and airs happening and just somehow this is taking out all of them. <laughs> you have that one slow-mo shot where he's just like completely insane and there's like, I believe, a snot bubble hanging out of his nose. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. I love the Airbender kids. They're all awesome. So this fight sequence happens, and it's great. While this is happening, Pema is in the process of delivering Tenzin's baby. Pema and Tenzin's baby starts to come, starts to be delivered, like, as this is happening. So Tenzin and the rest of them arrive, like, just as this fight's ending... And I love how Tenzin's, like, about to just rip into Lin for letting them fight. And then Lin's like, hey, they saved me. They saved my ass. You should probably be proud of them. And then Tenzin's like, okay. <laughs> and then goes to Pema and sees that his baby is born. His Fourth child is born. Which, by the way, can we talk about how much of an insane baby factory Pema is? Like, Tenzin and Pema... They are hard at work pumping out a crap ton of kids. There's four of them. There are four kids. It's like Tenzin and Pema have nothing better to do than to just produce babies. That's their entire purpose in life, is to just constantly make kids. All the time. It's kind of absurd how many children Tenzin and Pema have. But anyway, that's beside the point. You have this really heartwarming sequence where Tenzin meets his fourth child for the first time and all the other kids like crowd around and they introduce themselves to the new baby and it's it's amazing. It's a really fantastic family moment. And then Cora comes in and is like Hey, uh, yeah, I know you're having a really uplifting moment right now, but there are more airships coming in. We're screwed. So then, like, 
I love at this moment, Tenzin comes to the reality of, yeah, we can't stay here. We need to get off this island. We need to get out of Republic City. I need to get my family safe. So Tenzin makes his plan to leave. Lin goes with him. And Tenzin, like, half gets out this objection. And then Lin's like, no, shut up. I'm going with you. And Tenzin's like, all right, fine. (laughs) Uh, And Tenzin, like, commands Korra, like, escape, hide, lay low for a few days. The general of the United Forces is going to arrive soon. Be prepared to receive those reinforcements. Be prepared to help them, to assist them. But without you, we're done. So then we have this escape. With Tenzin and his family, all the airbender kids, and and Lin on... Not Appa. I'm just going to refer to all the Sky Bisons in this show as Not Appa. They're on Not Appa. Riding away. And there's this amazing moment. Where Lin's like trying to hold back the Equalist ships. And then she's like... Yeah, I can't do this from here. I'm gonna jump off and start effing up the Equalist ships. And, like, she fully says, no matter what happens to me, don't turn back. And so she jumps off and she starts completely eviscerating these airships. This one airship is just, like carved open and plummeting out of the sky and then she jumps from one to another starts effing up that one and then eventually of course she's subdued meanwhile Korra, Mako, Bolin, Asami are all getting away on Naga there's this really awesome moment that I love where freaking Naga just slaps this one electric rod guy Like, all the way down a freaking cliff, and it's amazing. Like, Naga jumps up, and in midair, she just swipes this dude out of the way. It's badass. It's awesome. I love it. And then, of course, we get this ending, where Korra, Mako, Bolin, and Asami are all laying low. Lin gets her bending taken away, which is... Gut punch, to say the least. And then, we get a reveal. We get a reveal that I absolutely adore. Where we see the General of the United Forces, who we've been referring to a couple times throughout the episode. And we see... That the United Forces General is... Zuko's grandson, who bears a striking resemblance to 
Zuko, and is voiced by Dante Bosco. And what is the name? What is the name of Zuko's grandson? The General of United Forces? The MacGuffin of this entire episode? General Iroh. Oh, it's so good. I love this reveal. I love this reveal so much. It's awesome. This is a really, really good beginning of the end, turning point episode. I really love everything this episode did, aside from that one crappy, crappy, ill-placed subplot. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to get into the last couple last couple episodes of this season, because I remember very clearly where it goes, and it's pretty amazing. It's pretty incredible. So look forward to that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash ThomasClark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow, we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 1, Episode 11. Talk to you then.